Okay, I was just playing with it. I was going to let you go through the whole thing backwards. There we go. Sabbath. Rest. I don't think we quite understand it the way God does, so that's what I want to talk, take a look at today and share with you. One day, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field of grain. And the disciples were taking the heads of the grain, and they were getting the kernels, and then they were eating them. Unfortunately, that's against the law on the Sabbath because that's considered work. Some of the Pharisees were standing nearby and said, Why do you do that which is unlawful? On the Sabbath. And Jesus said, Have you never heard where your king, King David, went into God's house and he took the showbread, or the better bread of presence, the, the bread that represented each tribe of Israel, 12 of them, and he ate that which was unlawful and gave it to his companions? And then Jesus said something very peculiar. He said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And maybe we don't quite understand that, but if you're Jewish, you understand exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying, even though the greatest king Israel ever had, King David, went into the house of God and took the bread, which is unlawful to take, and ate it and gave to his companions, believe you me, standing before you today, I am greater than King David. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that really mean? You see, because I get a sneaky suspicion that, uh, well, I have a nagging feeling. Have you ever had a nagging feeling? A nagging feeling that just kind of you have it and you, you, you kind of feel guilty that you have it, okay? And as I was preparing this sermon, I had this nagging feeling. And, and if, if you knew I had the feeling, you knew what it was, I'd be kind of embarrassed or ashamed that I had it. I don't know, you might have had the feeling too. The feeling is... I see some of you, you're not quite looking at me, you're kind of looking this way. Well, if you haven't had this feeling, you probably will next Sunday, okay, if you're a sports fan, for sure, all right? But I have this nagging feeling that, that I really don't want to go to church today. Pastors understand that better than anyone, believe me. We get it not just for ourselves, but for our congregation. Recently, I was dealing with a man that was in my office, and he said, I'm just not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to church this Sunday, I'm not going to do it. He said, uh, you know, I'm tired. I just, I mean, you know, he said, you know what? I don't like some of the people there. <laughs> I said, well, not that. And he said, you know what? Some of the people there don't like me. And I said, come on, man. You know, and I was just trying to help him out, you know, and stuff like that. And he said, no, no, stop the religious bull. Just give me one valid good reason I should show up this Sunday. And he caught me off guard. I, I, I didn't know what to say. Thank God his wife came into my office and helped me out. And she said, because, Michael, you're the senior pastor of the church and you should show up on Sunday. And as I realized, I put that in the sermon, I realized he's not here today. So I may be in big trouble come next week. But the truth of it is, is that sometimes we get to the Sabbath and rest, and we do have some of those feelings. And, and, and sometimes we just kind of think, I'm not sure I get it. But here's the truth. This just came out in the studies, that the U.S. is the most overworked developed nation in the world. I, I didn't know that. 
And it's, it's kind of alarming. We work more hours in the year than the Japanese or the, or the Chinese or the French. Well, that would have been no surprise, the French. But anyway, we work way more than they do. And I didn't know that. So to figure out what Jesus meant when he said Sabbath rest and things like that, I've got to take you all the way back to the beginning. So here it is, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He hallowed it because then God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. And, and, and I've, I've put work in red because it's the same Hebrew word. And we'll talk about that just a little bit later. But Michael's often told you when he's sitting up here preaching, you know, his mind goes crazy. It goes, you know, squirrel, squirrel. You know, mine doesn't do that. Mine's more intellectual in thought <laughs> process. And what mine does is I sit there and say, hmm, I, I've got some questions about that scripture that maybe not anybody else is asking. So I'll just go ahead and ask it because it's nagging on me. God has created in six days all of this, and then on the seventh day, he rests. But why did he need to rest? He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Did he get tired? doesn't sound like that's right to me. So the idea number one is why did God have to rest on the seventh day? And the second question I have about that is why does God commemorate his work on the seventh day with rest? I don't, I don't get it. Why, didn't they, why don't we make paper mache worlds or, or these mobiles that fly around? Or, or maybe, I don't know, some coasters, something besides rest? It's if God were saying, I created all of this stuff in these six days. But you know what? On the seventh day, rest, it's even better. Really. How many of you like to take a vacation? Okay, hold on to that thought. Because here's what the third verse says. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested. The fact of it is, is that God is not commemorating the work that he did of creation. He's commemorating rest. Maybe like a vacation. It's very interesting to me. So you like to take, I like to, somebody needs to tell a senior pastor that the associate likes to take vacations. Okay, just let him know that sometime this week. But see, let's say that you're working, okay, all year long, and you're looking for that 10-day vacation you're going to get. It's the sand, it's the sea, it's the sun, it's the umbrella. As a matter of fact, it's also the little bitty umbrellas that come in the little drinks that you get. Have you ever had those and then just kind of stick them down beside your beach chair like that? You know, okay, uh, uh, that's not me. That, that's Michael. That's Michael, okay. But you're doing this, and you're sitting there, and you're going, ah. Oh, this vacation, this vacation is the purpose of all of my hard work. Is that true or is that false? Now, I think we can agree this morning. The reason I think we can is because I've got the microphone, so I'm telling you we're going to agree. That I think that's false. We love vacations. But the purpose of all your hard work, surely it's to, to make a difference, to achieve something to fill up those storehouses for your kids to go to school, to be a better neighbor and to make a contribution to society. And this is where I really understand that we don't see rest like God sees rest. There's something different 
there for the Sabbath. So, we're going to go back to the scripture and we're going to take the second verse. That's all. We're going to take the second verse. I'm going to pull it apart for you. It's two parts because the two halves are divided by a comma. So let's take the first part. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. Let me ask you a question. That's all the scripture that you have, just that. Did God do any work on the seventh day? Hmm. Well, if you look at that scripture, if he finished his work on the seventh day, well then, yeah, he did some what? Yeah, he did some work. Oh, okay, hold on. Let's go to the second part. Let's get rid of the first. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Same question. Did God do any work on the seventh day? And you're going, no, no. Troy, you're making a contradiction here. And, and not me, it's the scripture. Is there a contradiction in this verse? There's a guy by the name of Rashi, and he was a great medieval commentator. He knew the word of God. They called the Tanakh, the Old Testament. He studied it endlessly. And this contradiction really took him by surprise, and he really spent some time on it. So this is what I want to tell you what he came up with. It's pretty cool. This is what he said. Here's the solution. On the seventh day, God created something. And on the seventh day, God rested the entire day. Okay? Some of you might have figured it out. This is what Rashi said. On the seventh day, God created I don't know what happened to the tea. I guess he rested. <laughs> this happened to the last service too. Me and Connor were going, where'd the tea go? God created rest. Silly thing. God created rest on the seventh day. And you're going, Troy, how brilliant. That's fantastic. God created rest. It makes the two things come together. It's great. But then somebody says, wait a minute. I've got a nagging feeling. Humans don't see rest as something to be created. They see rest as the absence of something. No, no, see, rest is a nothing. It's not a something. If you have a sign that says men working, you just wipe all that out. No, 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 no working, okay? It's like somebody saying, hey, listen, I'm going to create darkness. And somebody says, no, you don't. Darkness is just the absence of light. You don't have to create it. You turn off the light, and you have darkness. God's rest is different. Wouldn't it be neat if the rest that God created was truly a something, a presence that was positive, not just a nothing, not an absence of anything, but something far different than when we come here and think that we're supposed to be resting. Let's go back to our number one idea. Why would God need to rest after creation? He wouldn't. God's not like you and me. He, he, he's not going to need to get tired and stuff like that and recoup. But a human rest, that's a nothing kind of rest. A God rest is a something kind of rest. And here's the really thing that shocked me about this, this, this sermon series is that God created. He was so incredibly stoked about rest that he created it for himself. If you look at the scripture, it says that God created it because God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested. This was a thousand years before he commanded his people to rest on the Sabbath and to make it holy. 
No, this is the picture we get of God in the very beginning, just about God and who he is. And God is saying that rest is the most dynamic, important thing. Okay? So how do we really understand that? The only way we can really understand that is to go with those work words. Okay? So let's go with those right quick. Work, arova. It's Hebrew for work, physical exertion. That's what it means. Okay, it's, it's work like digging a ditch. Doesn't take really much brain power, you just dig the ditch. Or it's chopping wood. Or as my son says, it's very exerting to pick up his clothes off the floor. It's just like, oh, it's really tough. So, can we fit Adova into there? No, because they didn't use that word for work here. And this is the really important point. They use malaha. Melaha. And what does that mean? Melaha is the kind of creative work that's a merger of your mind and your hand. In other words, the mind is directing what you're creating or what you're doing. It's a different kind of work than what everybody else does. And this is the reason because work doesn't make God tired. Here's for our purposes, it's the kind of work that a creator does that he's tinkering or he's perfecting what he did. And that's what God did in six days. I mean, I'm sure it took some exertion to make something out of nothing, but after he did, he started tinkering and perfecting it. The waters, he put some in the sky and he put some down here and he said, don't, don't come this far, this is land now. We're going to do trees and shrubs and, and, and plants and fruit and vegetables and nuts, all of those things. And don't tell me he didn't tinker with the animals. Mosquitoes? I mean, Michael's going to agree with me on that one, okay? But, but what he's doing is perfecting it into ever greater forms of life. But the neat thing is, is that it's the mind and the hand. It's, it's that action of doing that together that is so significant. So God was creating, and he's doing great, and it's wonderful. And he gets to the seventh day, and he says, stop. Well, why would he do that? He's doing great. It's because God knows that the final creative act is to stop creating. You think, Troy, everybody would know that. Maybe. But, but, but listen, this is important. Understanding the positive rest that God does is a something. It's not an absence of anything. Positive rest grants independence to that which is being created, and from the creator, too. In other words, the creator says, I'm pulling back. I'm going to stop all that I'm doing, and I'm going to relate to that which I've created. So why does the creation need independence from the creator? Let me ask you a question. What happens when a painter can't stop painting the picture? He just keeps putting the paint on there, and one more little dit, one more little swirl, after a while... The painting collapses under its own weight because the painter couldn't stop. They never could say, okay, it's finished. I'm going to stand back and I'm going to look at it. I'm going to relate to what I've done there. Let's put it another way. How about relationships? How many of you are still trying to fix your spouse? How's that going for you? Is there at any time that we can say, okay, okay, Let's just relate. Let me ask you this question. This is a good one. Come back. 
Were children created to be perpetually tied to their parents? Some of you say, well, it hadn't been any different for a long time. But seriously, think about that. In creating something, aren't you creating it so that it would have independence? So that at some point and some time in the future, your child could be an adult like you and relate back? Was that what God was doing? It's okay for the child to learn how to skate and for us to help the child learn how to skate. That's probably what God was doing in six days of creation was getting it along. But what happens if the mother never lets go? What happens if, if, if the child can never get independence? When a parent lets go, the child's at risk of doing what? Crashing. I used to follow behind Cameron, and I had the back of his seat on the, on the, the bicycle when we took the wheels off, and he'd be going down the street, and I was just, <gasps> you know, because what? I was afraid. I was afraid what would happen if I let go, you know? He'd crash, and he did. But it's only in being able to do that that a child can ever come into their own and into themselves. And so what happens is that they come into themselves and they grow and they learn and one day finally maybe that's what happens. You see, God could have made you and me robots. He could have said, you're going to bow down three times a day, you're going to worship me. But he didn't. He took the risk just as a loving parent and said, I'm going to pull back my hand and I'm going to relate to you and hopefully you relate back to me as a creator. So today, Sabbath rest. I hope that day, today, as, as you figure out rest, that you'll understand that sitting here in the pew is not necessarily Sabbath rest. It can be. Going home and laying on your couch and watching football, it's not necessarily rest, but it can be. Going and spending time with your friends, it's not necessarily rest, but it can be. And God in his wisdom said to us, rest in relationship. Stop all the tinkering. Stop all the trying to perfect everybody around you. And rest in that creation so that you can have relationship. So today, have relationship with your God. Have relationship with the people that you love, with your family and your friends. That's the true rest.